Good morning, family. Thank you for joining me today on this second Sunday of Easter. Easter is a season of 50 days that takes us all the way to Pentecost. Sometimes we call this season the Great 50 Days. Well, last Sunday we celebrated life and victory over death. Today I'd like us to look at one of Jesus' interesting interactions with his disciples following his resurrection. The story is found in John chapter 20. And while we're a week removed from Easter Sunday, this story takes place on the evening of Resurrection Day. Hear the word of the Lord. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, My Lord and my God. Jesus replied, Do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you have doubts? Yeah, me too. Today we see and hear a man named Thomas, whose name is almost synonymous with doubt. Now, if we're going to get anywhere with this story, we have to begin with the understanding that doubt is not the opposite of faith, okay? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Did you know that? A lot of Christians think that doubt is the enemy, that doubt has no place in the Christian life. But I don't think that's true. Here's why. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Indifference is the opposite of faith. Doubt, I think, is the thing that keeps faith awake. Doubt is the thing that keeps faith moving. Whether your faith is that Jesus is the Son of God or that he is not, if you don't have any doubts, you're either kidding yourself or you're asleep. That being said, Thomas is not a doubter. Thomas is a true believer. He made that clear earlier in John's Gospel. When Jesus insisted on going to Judea, it was Thomas who declared, Let us also go with him that we may die with him. 
Does that sound like doubt to you? If you're looking for doubt, you won't find it there. Later, it was Thomas who made the first explicit announcement that Jesus was and is God when he called Jesus, my Lord and my God. This loyal believer, this devoted disciple from whom we get the title Doubting Thomas deserves to be remembered better than this, don't you think? Thomas was not indifferent. Thomas did not refuse belief. He wanted to believe, but he did not dare believe without further solid evidence. Because of his belief, loyalty, and goodwill, Jesus gladly gave him a sign after he refused to give signs to the Pharisees who doubted that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And we should note that the sign Jesus gave to Thomas, his wounded hands and side, did not create faith in Thomas. Instead, the sign of his broken, wounded body released the faith that he already had. Thomas is the patron saint of all who believe and still want to see for themselves. As the Greek men said to Philip at the very beginning of this gospel, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And there's something to be said for wanting to see for yourself, isn't there? I mean, isn't this why we gather together for worship? We want to see Jesus. We want to be like Thomas and see for ourselves. But the world wants to see Jesus too. So the world looks to those of us who follow and love Jesus. We are his body. We are the church. And people look to us for a sign, for some identifying marks that reveal Jesus and say, My Lord and my God. Thomas knew exactly what to look for as the identifying marks, the wounds in Jesus' hands and side, because any God, apart from the wounded one, is no God at all. Thomas knows this. We know this. But it's very easy to forget, isn't it? And it's awfully easy to turn our heads and look away from the wounds. But it is vitally important to know Jesus in this way, because the kind of death that Jesus suffered shows us that our God not only knows our pain, our God is the one God who is in our pain and in our grief and in our suffering. God not only shares our suffering, grief, and pain, but he is in it with us every step of the way. That is where we can see him. So when we are confronted with, say, the loss of a loved one, Jesus is here in the midst of our pain. Deep in the uncertainty of a pandemic, Jesus is here with us in the midst of it. In times of war or financial hardships or in relationship struggles, Jesus is right here with us in the midst of it. As we and others we know face the daily darkness of things like depression, disease, loneliness, racism, discrimination, ethnic hatred, and religious intolerance, we know that Jesus is in the midst of it. Any one of these situations should be enough to cause some doubt in our resurrection faith. Any one of these situations should be enough to send us to God asking for a sign. Our wounds are very much on the surface every day. Anyone can come into a church and look around and see our grief, our pain, and our suffering. People come to us with a desire, a need to see Jesus. The hands we extend in love and care for others are his hands. 
If people cannot see Jesus in us, where else can they turn? Where else should they look? And every time we gather as the body of Christ, we too are looking for a sign. When we reach out our hands to take his body, we are looking for that sign. When we hold his broken body with our broken body, we begin to see him. And the one we see is the one Thomas saw, the resurrected one, the one who overcomes death, the one who heals all who are broken, the one who knows our sorrows and who is in our sorrows, the one who walks with us every step of the way to Judea and back again. Jesus comes back to show us that he has survived and risen above the grief and sorrow and pain of it all. He comes back to show us that he is the one who transforms our wounds into new life. He comes back to lift us up so we might show through our lives and through our hands what we profess by faith, so that we might have our doubts once again relieved, so that we might join with Thomas in proclaiming, my Lord and my God, so that we might believe and have life, true life, abundant life in his name. He comes back so that we might feel him breathe on us as he did on the eleven and be filled with his peace, his shalom, the very spirit and breath of God, and know that he is risen and appears to us even in the midst of things we cannot and will not ever understand. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Feel him breathe on you the spirit breath of God and then embrace the fact that you are sent into the world so others might see him. All of us are sent to show our hands so others will see the wounds, so others will know him as Thomas knew him, so others will know him as we know him, as our Lord and our God. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so are we. Amen. Let's pray. Risen, living, and loving Lord, grant us simplicity of faith even when we're not sure, even when times are tough. Help us to steadfastly believe and to generously serve. Help us to give without counting cost, a life overflowing with grace, poured out from the one who gave everything that we might show the power of love to a broken world and share the truth from a living word. Lord, grant us simplicity of faith and a yearning to share it. As this pandemic continues, we pray for those afflicted and affected by COVID-19. We need your healing and protection. We are tired and frustrated. We need your rest and your peace. Please give us the strength and wisdom we need to navigate these difficult days. Now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me today. Now your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. 
because everyone needs love and everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what. Please don't let these trying days rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.